The following is not suitable for children because Jiggles likes to cuss. No. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Tucker. I'm Jiggles, and welcome to the Bench Riders Podcast, the show where we talk about philosophy, psychology, science, culture, and ideas. Yep, and we just wanted to get on here and let you guys know that the audio is going to sound a little different once this episode starts. There were a lot of growing pains that came along with starting this podcast, Um, so we're actually recording this in a different place than where the episode was recorded, but we still thought it was important to put out these early episodes because they represent the start of this podcast, and so hope that you will bear with us with that. How are you doing today, Jigs? I am tired. I am uh, unemployed. I have gotten <laughs> multiple rejections this week. Took, <laughs> took some major L's this week, actually. Might have fucked up a $90,000 a year job interview, but that's neither here nor there. We're here. We're recording. How you doing today, Tucker? I feel like um, if anybody ever listens to this podcast, they're going to be like invested in like whether Jigs gets a job <laughs> or not. <laughs> They're going to be like, listening this week, let's see if we got a job. Wait for and see if we got a job. <laughs> see me in episode 20. That's my best self. <laughs> um, I'm doing okay. Um, my uh, classes started this week, my last semester of classes. So I got about four left um, for this, um, for my master's, um, and then hopefully probably my master's thesis come the, uh, spring. Um, I got a tattoo since the last time we've recorded an episode, right? No. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause last time it was like two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Almost. Yeah. So I, I got a, I've got a tattoo since the last time we recorded this episode me and my wife did. So, um, we both got tattoos. Um, it was not her first tattoo. It was my first tattoo. So I was, um, a virgin in of ink i don't know um but yeah it was a it was good so um it was a lot more painful than i was expecting <laughs> so uh yeah He's but it, a little bitch it, it was i was kind of glad i had a mask on because i could like hide my face so i was like because there were some points where they the the tattoo artist like got close to my where my bone is and it was just like oof i was definitely probably making pain faces um <laughs> You remember that meme where people would like make faces under their masks and then take it off? And it was like slightly sexual in a way. <laughs> I don't know about that, but <laughs> but I it, it was a thing. Um so today, uh what are we talking about today, Juggles? We're talking about Nietzsche's idea on the will to power. And I will go ahead and introduce that for us now. This is Tucker here to remind you that, as my brother would say, we're just two dumbasses meandering into a mic, and we get things wrong, and we're definitely not qualified to teach any of this stuff, but we're trying to be okay with that and get our voices out there anyway, so we hope that you'll be patient with us as we do that. So, Frederick Nietzsche needs no introduction, one of my personal favorite philosophers, um was basically sort of the 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 gangster of philosophy he kind of called people some idiots call you know he was like eminem you'd like you don't want to mess with nietzsche back in the 1800s he lived from 1844 to 1900 exactly so he he died on the uh the big year um and his idea on will to the will to power he believed that the will to power the will to sort of conquer and adventure was something that was innate in life. Uh, his The idea was present in almost all of his books, but it was mostly present where he mostly talked about it in Beyond Good and Evil. And he talked about how the will to power, since it's innate to life, it doesn't sort of... Uh, it isn't under any moral palette or any ethical things because that's just what being alive is. Um, and so he talks about at one point how barbarians who would just go and pillage villages and sort of just take over just because that's what they were doing is they were very human and at the same time they were very beast-like at the same time. 
because Nietzsche believed that inside of us we were all just beasts who morals and ethics were a very cultural thing. Um, and he also expanded the idea where he said under like societies and stuff, how we would see it now. Um, he said, even the body within which individuals treat each other as equals will have an incarnate will to power. It will strive to grow, spread, seize, become predominant, not from any morality or immorality, but because it is a living thing and because life simply is will to power. Um, I think that's that's a fair, fair enough explanation, if Tucker agrees. Uh, yeah, I mean, you go over, well, you kind of mentioned to me what you're talking about with the barbarian thing, because I think that kind of like, you know. Sums it up? Yeah, a little bit. Wait, you re-go re over it? Oh, did you say that? I did say that. He was on his phone. <laughs> I was looking at the notes. <laughs> okay. Well, then you... Well, then <laughs> we'll cut this far now. <laughs> so, Tucker... Do you think we're all barbarians at the end of the day? Do you think that what it means to be alive is to, to conquer an adventure? I think that... Um, I mean, I know I feel the most alive, quote-unquote, um, when I'm, you know motivated to do things and when I feel like I have goals and I'm trying to get to a new place um I, I know I kind of mentioned that I think I mentioned that when we were doing the uh the one about Aristotle and like happiness and stuff um so I do feel like I feel like it's it's very like survivalist right I mean like you're going to you you're gonna just seek to make the situation better for yourself <laughs> um and so you know in the past that may have meant like gaining land or that may have meant you know taking a better um you know tent or cave or something like that but today it's more like you know you're economically maybe striving to better yourself right i'm gonna do this fucking homework so I'm gonna conquer it. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't think he's wrong in a sense. I guess as my my answer, simple answer to your question, I think that he's getting at this idea that I think that we don't like to admit a lot of times is that humans are, at the end of the day, like animals and like primates, right? And so we still carry a lot of those, even with our intelligence we still carry a lot of those instinctual urges that kept people alive and our ancestors alive for a long time like we wouldn't be here if it didn't right so so you're saying that he he kind of was like poking at the idea that we have to sorry i lost my i completely lost my train of thought <laughs> Um, do you think it's something that exists in, in uh, the title of his book, that it is, it exists outside of ethics and that because it is something that is so innate to life, that it is something that doesn't concede to morals or, or ethics or something like that, the like innate want or need to, to conquer and, uh, live an exciting life. Yes, and I think I can kind of sort of back up that argument a little bit because I feel like the instinctual need to, like, conquer and stuff like that is very low in our, like, it's in the older part of our brain, right? Because um, there's this idea in, like, psychology and, like, neuroscience that, like, the brain, you have, like, the quote-unquote like lizard brain in the middle and then you have like the ma mammal brain around that and then you have the primate brain around that 
And so like all of our higher functioning and intelligence and stuff like that is in the primate brain. But like a lot of those like core emotions and instincts are in the lizard brain, quote unquote. Um, and so, you know, it's thought that like it kind of that, that the primate brain is the youngest brain part of our brain, you know, evolutionary wise. Right. But um, so I think that until you have intelligence, you don't really have morality. And until you have morality, so then you until so until you have intelligence, I don't really think you can have like good and evil in a sense of like subjectively people saying good and evil. I mean, if maybe you could argue that there's a outside of a subjective moralistic like humanitarian view of good and evil, like good and evil exists just in the universe. But um, but if we're talking about our subjective. I want to point out that Nietzsche did not believe that it existed outside of the universe. And he, if you did, then he would have called you a pussy. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is, is like, I think if we're going more like on subjective, good and evil, religions, morals, like all that kind of stuff, then like this, um, you know, uh, then the instinct to conquer and stuff like that would be older than that. It would be more, like, animalistic. And so, back then, I don't think, you know, probably didn't really have, like, good and evil. Humanity probably wasn't worried about good and evil back then, if you could even call them humanity, right? right. So, um, so I don't, I think it would be, it would predate, like, good and evil in that sense, at least in the sense of humanity's where That's what I'm going to say. In, as far as humanity is concerned are worrying about good and evil the instinct to conquer would predate that so i would even say even if good and evil universally exists man being worried about it would the instinct to conquer would predate humanity being worried about good and evil so in that sense i think i would agree with it that it's outside of does that make sense yeah i think I think I can agree with that because you kind of see that in something my professor said once um, when I was in class <laughs> back when I wasn't worried about having a job. Um, when you didn't read the textbook. <laughs> and I didn't. <laughs> That's another story. <laughs> um, Maybe he, one day we'll like go more into like personal stories on like special podcasts or something. We'll, we'll just trauma dump for two hours straight. <laughs> <laughs> then we'll get some three hour longers. Um, but our philosophy professor uh, said that what Nietzsche is kind of saying is that like if you leave things to their own kind of device, anything that you would consider alive then it will just become like a sort of battleground of like competition and like trying to constantly conquer each other. And it kind of was like pointing out like nature, like if you leave trees and like grass alone, then it just becomes like who can outgrow who and they start like fighting each other and trying to take the resources. And he was like, that's how it is naturally. We just kind of put our human moral <laughs> ethics and like we take care of it and we like cut the grass you know but we control it in a sense um i guess that's what i was trying to say is we have sort of created a standard where you are to control like this urge to to conquer is what nisha was also getting at well and to back up your point about finding it in nature i mean even like you think about so like the original jurassic park movies right in the original Jurassic Park movie, what's, like, the famous quote from Jurassic Park? It's, life finds a way. And, like, even in the second one, in The Lost World, the lost world is literally a a lost, you know, like an island where they had put all of the dinosaurs that they had genetically created on this island, completely changed the ecosystem there because the dinosaurs started to conquer everything. Like, they were surviving. The way they survived was, you know... They, the ecosystem that was there was not the one that was there after they showed up because life found a way. They, they, they survived. Overpowered. Right, but they, exactly. But, like, that's part of the way life, quote-unquote, finds a way is by conquering something else. I mean, so... And we often don't apply, like... Like, you can apply, like, emotional things, but, like, if you look at ants... 
and then you see the ant eater who goes and eats ants, and that's him conquering his his reality. It's like we don't think like, oh, he shouldn't do that because like he needs to control himself. We just think, well, it's in his fucking name. He's an ant eater, so he's gonna go eat ants, and that's just what he does. Yeah, I mean, we see it in nature all the time, and for some, like, and it's excu- it's just considered, like, nature, but then when people do it, it's, a lot of times, it got these moralistic values attached to it. It's because we separate ourselves from nature. We do. Well, that's, we, the... that's see, that's part of, like, the we're, we're beyond, we're better than, like... Beyond nature? We're better than the other mammals and things like that, is, like, this idea that we're more, like, evolved or we're higher... You know, go outside, find an anteater, and look at yourself. Look at that anteater until it becomes a mirror. That's your exercise for this week. <laughs> Watch him until it becomes a mirror. Um, something that I did think was interesting is like his um, it's Nietzsche. I'm Nietzsche. Nietzsche. Wow. It's hard to. It's one of the. I probably am saying it wrong too. There, there's different ways people pronounce it. So, Nietzsche. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> so something I did find interesting about uh, some stuff that he had said is the thing about uh, like how a society, you know, once it becomes like kind of creates us like a government or something, like then it starts conquering things like outside of itself yeah you know because it becomes a thing itself it becomes living itself and i think that's really interesting i mean because we see that um pretty much all the time yeah like okay so we see it in wars in governments trying to conquer things or even like something that happened even less like because i feel like the war thing is like or taking land or something is more um, what do you call it? A straightforward metaphor, but yeah. that seems obvious. But I think you can see it also. Like, think about what happened. I think it was a year or two ago when Disney bought out 20th Century Fox. Like, they conquered the competition, right? Like, they're um, so Disney in that sense is becoming a living thing, and they're like they're conquering the competition, and so they own more. You know, does that make yeah. sense? Like it, that is, and in like, yeah, it's not like conquering in like, you know, just gunning somebody down or something, or conquering in like forcibly taking land or something like that. But they are like, it's when whenever there's like a struggle or like something to be had, which in this case Disney, it was the economy, more money. <laughs> um, more but whenever money. there's like a playing field and there's like different players, it's the idea that like you naturally are just gonna want to win like whatever you're trying to do competition is like a hell of a motivator right whether it be owning people at dota 2 or becoming the president (laughs) right i mean yeah and you conquer you become and see um it's it's like, what is even, like, The Rock always says, like, I'm going to be the hardest motherfucker, or hardest working motherfucker in the room, right? Like, yeah. that, he says that all the time. And then, it's like, you're comparing yourself to other people. Part of what motivates you... Is conquering. Is conquering. Yeah, you're doing more than... And sometimes it's maybe more healthier, like, when people are like, well, best yourself, right? Yeah. And I think, maybe, like, in our, like, higher intelligence world now right we can maybe like you could maybe argue that like you can conquer yourself like you can conquer your past self maybe for sure for sure um but i mean you know i you always um unfortunately things aren't fair right um i feel like that's not a controversial statement (laughs) um um yeah, that's not very. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, a lot of times when you do get something or you have a success and you conquer something, you are conquering in a sense that like somebody else didn't get it. Yeah, you, know? you motivate by trying to, trying to, uh, just trying to win. Yeah. It's all about just trying to win. And it's, I feel like we don't like to admit that 
right? It's like... Um, yeah, you don't want to say like, well, I wanted to do this just because <laughs> I, did, I wanted... To, if someone was going to win, it was going to be me. Yeah. And like, I don't even consider myself a very competitive person, like in general, but like... Like, like if I'm sitting there and, like, I'm hanging out with, like, people, I guess I'm competitive in the sense that in the larger scheme of things, I'm competitive, but if it's, like, I'm playing, like, Mario Party with my friends, like, I'm not gonna sit there and, like, gamer pose and sit up the entire time <laughs> trying to, like, win as hard as I can. Well, and I think, yeah, we should make it clear, like, that's not the type of competitive we're talking about. Yeah. Like... We're talking like though I'm, that exists, but oh, that exists. <laughs> um, I remember in last semester in my competitive programming class, which was a one-credit class. There was this guy that I did not like, and he was like this the computer science nerd. And if you you know who I'm talking about, if you ever <laughs> have taken a computer science class, he was that guy. And we were assigned this problem, and I took it because i heard that he was going to take it i was like i'm going to solve this faster than this guy <laughs> and then i did and i still talk about it to this day <laughs> yeah um just it makes you you know you conquered it you beat someone yeah it's a good feeling and that is hard to admit that like the only reason i sat up and gamer posed that class was because i wanted to beat that guy one well, and, and you <laughs> Part of the dopamine release, the part of the dopamine release for it is you beat somebody, right? Yeah, and the weird thing is, is we don't value things necessarily that come easy. And I feel like even back then, like when Nietzsche talks about the barbarians, I feel like you know, you, they don't even value the stuff they conquer. Sometimes they're just doing it. And, and I think what Nietzsche is getting at is they're doing it because that's the point of life is to conquer. When you, uh, when we had originally, you had originally mentioned that to me, I thought about like the happiness ladder, right? The happiness ladder? You mean like Maslow's hierarchy thing? In the sense that they're doing it for the sake of doing it. Yeah. Well, he kind of... um it was one of his answers to like what the authentic life would be like under existentialism. And under that, there's really no end, which like you can point towards because nothing matters. It's like when we talked about Aristotle, it's like it goes on forever. And so if there's no end, then you have to find something that you want to do for the sake of doing it. So conquering and like the will to power is Nietzsche's like, what what did Aristotle call it? Like the the chief good. The chief good, yeah. That's what I meant by like the happiness ladder. Like, yeah. That they're doing it for the sake of sake of it, so it's higher up on the ladder for them. And the interesting thing is, I don't think like whenever I do something and I motivate myself to do something, like I motivated myself to like sit there and do that problem as quick as I could and as fast as I could, uh, <laughs> and like I got the right algorithm because I wanted to get the dopamine rush of winning. Because I had never, you know, <laughs> I had never done one the fastest in that class. I wanted to do one the fastest before, like, I graduated. And, like, that's something, like, that was my end. And I don't think I would have, like, done that if it wasn't for that end. You know? Because it wouldn't have really meant anything. Yeah. No, I... So, is that, like, what he's saying in this... Like, was he... And maybe you know the answer to this, I don't know. But um, was he kind of saying that, like, authentic people don't necessarily worry about morals, I guess? Um, my interpretation and the way I understand it, as someone who has skimmed the reading <laughs> and as who's sat through yeah, many I mean. lectures, um, I think what he's saying is like the authentic life under the assumption that everything is meaningless and that like as Nietzsche would put it, God is dead. Like there's no determinism. Um, he's saying that you have to find something to find purpose in and t 
since the will to power is like life, like it equals life. Um, that's, I think the will to power equals life. He's kind of like saying like, you know, in biology, when you have, this is what it means to be alive. I think Nietzsche would say, well, actually, this is also what it means to be alive. You have to have this. Um, but I think what he's saying is like kind of what you said, like you're doing it because you, that's your meaning. Like that's your purpose, but not to like, not for any other reason. It's like you're doing it. That's your purpose in the sense that you understand that there is no purpose. <laughs> well, it makes me think of like, and I feel like most people have experienced this. Like you ever like done a quote unquote good deed and it's like you do it because you know it's the right thing to do. And so maybe let's assume for the thought experiment, like you're not going to get any praise for it. You're not going to get like any monetary gain. Nobody maybe even isn't going to see it. But you almost like guilt yourself into it because it's you're like it's the good thing to do, and it's like you never enjoy that. No, I, like I don't know. You know, it's like, um, it's so maybe there is some like weight. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I guess you could argue that maybe so like somebody who's doing something because it's good, right? I mean, I, I keep going back to the Aristotle thing we talked about, but like, you know, it's it's pushing it further down the, the ladder where it's just doing it because, you know. Because there's something to achieve. Because there's something to achieve, yeah. I don't know. I always do it for my, my ends. I guess that's my problem. I got to meditate more. <laughs> then I won't do it for the ends. <laughs> I'll do it for the, the process. Something that... uh that I was debate I thought about when you first mentioned this and you were talking about you were explaining some of the stuff something I thought about was um one of the interpretations of the uh text in like Genesis right you have like the the creation story in Genesis and then people um so Adam and Eve the two people in the garden right and um they're uh or I guess it's humanity in general. Anyway, they're told to, um, you know, get, have dominion over the beasts of the field and all that kind of stuff, right? Well, if you look at, like, the Hebrew word that's translated for dominion, it's only ever used in the Hebrew Bible in, like, like terms like conquer, conquest, like defeat the army, things like that. And so... Um, like they were like people were even in like that context in this like ancient you know this ancient text like the purpose was like yeah, conquering go conquer yeah like that's what i'm getting at it's kind of like they were they were told it's cuz it's not like the hebrew word for dominion like dominion and rule over that we put in like the english translations is very it like do it, it doesn't do it justice it was a very like by force yeah yeah like, like go take it go yeah go go take over the world kind of thing um and so it's just interesting and you could even argue in a sense that the like made in you know our likeness and stuff is like that that they were conquerors you know i don't know does that make sense yeah i think you know what you're saying so um part of what uh it could be argued that the will to power is like a branch of egoism, um, which is where you think that what is right is whatever brings you the most good. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that because mostly because of the point he said about like a society, um, which would be more of a utilitarian utilitarianism idea because it's like at that point, then conquering could be argued that it's bringing the most good to most people um i don't think that nietzsche when he was like writing it was necessarily like i think he was trying to break it free from morals whereas those are like ideas and ethics um i don't know where i'm going with this but <laughs> i'm kind of just talking do you think that um okay so like 
Um, we I don't think we brought this up on the Aristotle podcast, but Aristotle was uh, Alexander the Great's like kind of teacher at one point, right? Um, and Alexander the Great basically like tried to conquer everything. <laughs> um, I think I heard somewhere that his um, that the way he got the idea to was Aristotle said that he should have a that his the land he owns the sun should be setting and rising at the same time. <laughs> That's kind of epic. And so it was something to that effect. And like Alexander the Great is like remembered in history as basically like just a conqueror. So I don't know. Do you think like it's like was he an asshole like we would kind of think of today from a moralistic standpoint or was he just like living the ultimate self? I don't you know. Well, he would. The, the, Nietzsche has like the I think it's called like the Ubermech or whatever, which is like the Superman of philosophy, who like lives according to the highest and like truly authentic self. Um, I would say that if Nietzsche were to say someone lived closely to that, it probably would look someone like Alexander the Great. <laughs> um, whether or not you know, it's hard to say because obviously, like you look at that and it's like, man, like he. He did all that. Like he caused a lot of harm. <laughs> yeah, he killed a lot of. He killed a lot of people. So like, can you excuse that? Like, does that action exist outside of morals? Probably not. <laughs> but. But I think that you know. We, yeah. No. No. Go ahead. I think that we do things now that are not as easily morally defined, or we don't like to define them as moralistic, right? Like, okay. Or it's just like, well, that's how it is, right? Yeah. And so, so like, you get a job, and somebody, so somebody else didn't get a job. Like, say twenty people applied for that job, and you get it. Somebody else didn't get that job. You know, I mean, you beat them. You beat them, and to what cost? Like, what if they theoretically needed it more than you did? Yeah. I mean, and it's like, so. Yeah, it's easy to look at, like, Alexander the Great. And He's be a like, very blown out of proportion yeah, example. Yeah, it's easy to look at, like, that and be like, oh, yeah, that's definitely very animalistic. Like, you know, it shouldn't be that way. But but when you kind of bring it into, like, things that we deal with every day where you're conquering. I mean, you get a promotion. You probably took a promotion away from other people doing it. You know, yeah. you... Um, you know, like, it's just like, um, it's kind of like, there's very, you know, right now in the economy, right? Like you kind of have like, it do, does, it kind of is like a funnel, right? Like a triangle, like the more you get to the top and rich, like the less people have the same amount of money <laughs> as you do, right? Fair. And, and in a lot of ways, like in the States, like, capitalism is like competitive by nature right but it is kind of like you you kick people on your way up yeah like you have to hop over people to get up and i'm not saying like that's good or bad because like then we're getting into morals right and nietzsche is saying like yeah no morals no morals this is life <laughs> but so that's what i'm saying like you know it's easy to look at Aris or not aristotle alexander the great and be like you know well he definitely was wrong but we conquer, you know, and people suffer now. I mean, like, if you take a promotion away from somebody, you know, what if their kids are now going to suffer? And yeah. it's like, I feel like we don't like to think of those things. Now um, their kids can't go to college. Now their kids' kids can't go to college. You just messed up a whole family tree. Yeah, I mean, theoretically, that's theoretically, po like, that's theoretically possible. Um, and I feel like we don't like to think of it that way. Um because it's more like, well, that's life. Life is unfair. I mean, even I said that at the beginning of this podcast, like, life is unfair. Um, and, you know, so we just kind of don't attach morals to that, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I can't remember who I was listening to, but someone said, like, when you're in a competition, in a lot of ways, your brain does a lot of, like, hoops to dehumanize who you're trying to beat so that you don't feel bad about like beating them and this he was probably talking about like a chess game or something like 
assuming there were any type of stakes on the line. Like, you can't start thinking, like, oh, well, like, this is, like, life-changing for this person. Like, maybe there's money on the line or something, and it's like, I can't take this money. Like, you can't start doing that. Otherwise, you know, you've essentially taken yourself out of the competition. Well, we do that in... So, like, when you watch, like, a TV show, right? A lot of times, like, there's a villain, and it's like... You know, you see them do villainous acts. Now you want the hero to beat them, right? You want them to to defeat them. You want sometimes you want the villain dead, right? But then, you know, sometimes it's like the the writers then like give them all of these human qualities, and now all of a sudden you're like, maybe they can be redeemed. Maybe they shouldn't. You know what I mean? You know, it just plays with your uh, and, empathy, right? And so then all of a sudden you see them as human. But at when at first when you didn't see them as human. It's like it was easier just to be like, no, they should definitely just kill them. They should conquer them and fix the problem. Um, it's like know. that classic villain goes home, hugs his wife, his two-year-old kid. <laughs> yeah, no, and um, and that's one of the uh, main ways I feel like that writers do like the villain redemption arcs is, you know, in order to be, you have to give them a reason that people are going to want them to be redeemed. And a lot of that is you make them human. If they're not human, then people, you know, that what you're saying, like that part of our brain that like just lets us dehumanize the competition so that we can get the task done, you know. Got to dehumanize them to beat them. Yeah, I mean, you don't think about like the competition when you're trying to. Oh, no, you don't. To do something. If you do, then you, you, you. You have to think about yourself in a way. Like, when I apply to these jobs, I want to get the job. And, like, other people are beating me and getting the jobs. It's like, well, <laughs> that sucks for me, being unemployed. <laughs> and that's the thing, too, is in there is a world where, like, nobody cares more about your success than you do, Yeah. in a way. And it's like, sometimes you have to be your, your best advocate, and a lot of times that means, you know, even, like... You know, some one of the famous, like, interview questions, well, why should we hire you? You're basically arguing... I answered that last week. <laughs> ...why you should be hired versus the other 20 people, 30 people that they've interviewed. Yeah, when they... When it was a automated thing, but when it asked me, it was like, the lady came out in the video and she was like, out of all the other qualified candidates that are applying and interviewing for this position, why should we hire you over them? And it was like, basically an opportunity for you to just fucking you know terrorize i guess mess them up <laughs> talk talk yourself up i don't know it was, i hated i hate answering stuff like that because like you know one i'm not good at talking myself up but two it's like i don't like beating other people down like that like yeah. i mean i didn't get the job so obviously they were more qualified but <laughs> you know what am i gonna say like i have more qualifications than these people i don't even know like <laughs> It's one of the things that's, like, not pretty. It is not pretty. And it's the not pretty part of, like, humanity and, like, the not pretty part of, you know, doing things, um, you know. um, You know, you're only, like, you're only rich in compared to other people. That is true. And it's, so it's like, you know... It sounds really horrible, but it's almost like, it's like if people existed, if people didn't exist that didn't have what you have, would you be as happy with what you have? That's an interesting point. (laughs) Like, I mean. (laughs) It's like the, the game with no stakes, you don't care, you know? Yeah. Like, if there's no end, or, like, you know, I, I don't know what I was saying, but, like, <laughs> ugh, that is a rough picture. No, I mean, it's <laughs> it's not pretty, but it's, you know. It's all, uh, it's all a, uh, like, your, what you have is a direct probability, like, you have it so someone else doesn't. And you have to, like, live with that. Yeah. Like, for you to be rich, there has to be people who are poor. 
for some people to be as rich as they are, there has to be 10 people who are poor. And that's just the reality. And it's unfortunate that, that that's how, like, you know, I mean, in this, like, in the States, that kind of how, like, that's how the economy is set up in a way. And it's like, if you want upward, if you want to be able to go up, people have to be able to go down too, I guess, right? It's, and it's, yeah, it's not pretty. Um, my my Russian teacher said that in Russia they make the joke that it's like a boiling crab pot because when you boil crabs and one of them they have to like try to climb each other to like escape the boiling water, but then when one starts to escape the other will try to grab onto it to climb out themselves and they'll just yank it back down. <laughs> she wow. was an eighty year old Russian woman. So she probably knew something that I, I didn't know what she was talking about at the time. But <laughs> well, and I think that the the um, the instinct to conquer and stuff, right? Like it it kept us people, it kept our ancestors alive, right? Um, and it and also is a really good instinct to have when you're in a scarcity situation, right? So if resources are scarce. It's a good instinct to have. That's what keeps you alive because you want to get the resources. And I mean, right now, humanity still, like as a whole, we live in like a, we don't live in what you would call like a post-scarcity society because there's still not enough resources to go around. And so you're fighting for resources. You're fighting for money. In a true like post-scarcity society, like you you probably wouldn't have like rich and poor people. There's so yeah. much to go around that it doesn't matter. And like it would be interesting to see um what would happen if you had if humanity ever gets to a point where we are truly like post scarcity. There's just so many ener- so much energy and stuff that it doesn't matter. Like what how would we even act? Would our would our biology be able to handle that? Cuz I feel like we we were bred to once we automate everything and we no longer have to do anything, then what do we do? Is the, is the question you're asking. <laughs> well, like once, once everything, there's enough for everybody, and like we don't necessarily have to. Like, yeah, you weren't mentioning that was a joke. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, once we have enough to go around, and it's not like a competition anymore, then what? Yeah, it's about uh. I think Jordan Peterson one time said, this is one of his like more popular quotes, he said that you should be a monster, but then you should learn how to control it. Um, which I think is a good like idea. It's like That's inside of us, but like as people, at least as we are now as humans, like we can't just be doing that, like just conquering everything to a... To a so, like there's got to be limits. <laughs> Nietzsche might have not thought so. But there's got to be limits. And so I think that's a good idea. It's like having it. Kind of like the... Uh, what was Naruto's thing? The red fox? The nine-tailed fox? <laughs> yeah, the nine-tailed fox. Um, you got to have it inside of you. You got to have visions of <laughs> talking to it in its cage. <laughs> and you got to let it out when they... Try to hurt the pink hair girl or whatever that show was about. <laughs> well, also, also, um, I think that even just conquering. So we're we we've been kind of like talking a lot about conquering in more of a metaphorical sense, but I feel like conquest is so like ingrained in the human psyche. Like, I mean, what are we even talking about now? Like, you know, people now we're talking about like. Are people going to live on Mars? Like, are we going to send people here? Are we going to do this? Like, are we going to put stuff on the back on the moon? And it's like, it's almost like this. Well, we we we've, we've conquered this, so like naturally, no, gotta... and nobody even says like, well, why? Like, why do we have to go to Mars? And it's like, well, because. <laughs> I think that feeling is kind of what Nietzsche is pointing at. I think you kind of just summed it up. Is like as a society, like, like let's say we all treat each other as equals like Nietzsche was saying like now it's like well why do we need to explore space like that's a good point it's like well 
because what else are we gonna do <laughs> like that's the point of us living basically is we gotta get out there like because because you know what are you gonna do just sitting in your room <laughs> yeah i mean like we um we we talk about at least in like some of the corners of, the, of youtube that i'm on um you know we talk about like ways to get people out into interstellar space ways to build space habitats out and it's like you know in that discussions rarely is it talked about like well in the future what if people don't want to go out in space it's like if we just assume that like it's if you had the capability that there would be people who would want to do it there'd be explorers that are like sign me up you know yeah um and not even if they're getting not even for money necessarily but just you know just because so maybe you think maybe okay cuz now we're going to go back to just what he was maybe what he was thinking but do you think he would be he would see like someone like um Neil Armstrong. <laughs> That's who I was trying to think. Um, like, as just like the ultimate. Maybe okay. He would say that he was living his best authentic self. Right, because we said that about like Alexander the Great. That but was it's his like time but, frame. But he was like taking. He was like hurting a lot of people. But like, um, Neil Armstrong didn't. You know, theoretically, like it's not like they had to step on a whole bunch of people to get to the moon. He was conquering nature. Right, so he would probably... Yeah, he's a good example of someone who... Where, like, that action of him going to the moon, there's not really, like, a moral or ethical... I mean, maybe you could say, like, I don't know, but... It probably exists. It exists, but in a general sense. Like, there's not, like, a very big moral or ethical, like, dilemma of, like, should he have gone to the moon or not, or should they have gone to the moon or, like, the people who built it. But it's, like, the fact that we did is kind of, like, exciting to us. Like, it's exciting. And I think a lot of what Nietzsche... He brings up, like, live an adventurous life. Because um, when he, he like, talks about other philosophers' idea of, like, authenticity, and he, like, kind of calls it boring and is like, but who actually wants to live a life like that? And I think that, like, feeling you get when it's like, man, we're going to go, like, explore the universe and, like, we're going to do all this stuff. I think that's the sort of feeling he was, like, touching on is, like, that's what life is. And what's crazy is, like, um, you know, I feel like we don't get a lot of that as much as maybe, like, a lot of our ancestors did because, you know, that, like, saying of, like, born too late to explore the world but born too early to explore the universe yeah and i feel like you know even like in the popularity of like things like star wars and star trek and stuff it's like this embedded is this idea of just like humanity just like being everywhere being able to go wherever we want like conquering all of these places you know and i mean um if i'm not mistaken um the thought is that, you know, when, um, well, I, I'm pretty sure the thought is, um, of course, don't quote me on this because I'm probably wrong. I'm wrong on a lot of things. But from what I understand, the thought is that, um, you know, humanity, at least in like a more modern context, uh, started kind of in like the, like the African savanna, um, and then people just kept going more, and it's like they kept finding new places to conquer, I guess you could say. Um, and so, um, it seems maybe even like, even like that early, that was just like this innate, like, you know, you just keep... Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Like, um, so... Put your boots on, boys. Right. Like... We got land fine. <laughs> and I mean... We see, like, explorers and things, you know, they're kind of, like, remembered in history a lot of times as, like, these heroes um, that, like, explored things. You know what I mean? Yeah. I get what you're saying. Um, Can you imagine they used to get that feeling? Like, the feeling we get when, like, someone lands on the moon. Like, they used to be, like, 
that person went on the other side of that hill that we can't see over and like he found what was on like on that side basically of the world because our world is what we can see before that hill blocks our view and like he went over there <laughs> and he he hasn't come back yet but he's over there doing something no yeah i mean it's it's like because I always think of like, like to me, it's exciting to think about like people going to Mars and it's, and I hope like I live to see it, um, like, and going into like maybe the asteroid belt and things like that. Like I love, you know, I want to, uh, you know, to send more robots and stuff to, you know, to other places. Like, you know, I know that Pete talks of like robots, you know, to, or probes to go on like Europa and look under the ocean and on, or look for the ocean on Europa. And it's like, I want to see all of that. <laughs> Cause it's like just this natural, like, just what's under there. <laughs> yeah. Let, like, let's go do it. I mean, what you hiding there, boy? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know. Cause I enjoy it. Like I'm like, I also like, it's a feeling I can't really describe, but I don't know if everybody gets that. I can't really. I don't know. Yeah. No, um, there's this, um, there's a, uh, a kind of like, it's a sci-fi movie, but it's very like, it's one of those ones that's very more like science rather than fiction. Cause you know, sci-fi is kind of like the spectrum. You have like Star Wars, like way over in like the <laughs> fantasy land. Um, and then you have like things that are more, and it was like, it was, it came out probably a decade ago now, but it was called the Europa Report, and it was about the first, like, manned mission to look for life on Europa. And in a way, there's a lot of horror to it. Um, yeah, that movie freaked me out. I was, like, 12 when I saw it. <laughs> it, it because it's, it's very, like... It's so eerie. It's attached to, like... It's very grounded in realism of how that would actually... Like, because of she don't fucking know you don't know and you're alone like it captures the feeling of like being isolated that like being that far out in space would give you um even on another planet like on one sense you're on ground you're on (laughs) but another sense it's like everybody is so far away there's nowhere to call for help um but it's like there is the horror aspect to it but it's also like a movie that I find so fascinating because yeah, it's a good movie. Because there's this idea of like just this adventure. You know, like it's like it's almost like one of those it's like a modern version of like like the explorer movies or something, you know? Um Yeah. It was a good movie. Go watch it. <laughs> it yeah. messed me up for a little bit, but I'm fine now. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I won't, like, I, I will choose not to spoil a decade-old movie <laughs> that that's not very popular anyway, but... Oh, it's a niche movie. But it it's it's definitely, like... It's, it's worth a watch. Yeah. And I think it, it begs the question, right, of, like... I have no doubt that if we were able to do that right now... There would be people that would sign up for it. Oh, yeah. Even though, even like just watching it, like I see the horror. And it would be even worse in real life, right? Oh, yeah. And it's like, <laughs> but people would sign up to do it. It's so exciting. Because they're, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's it's terrifying, but fascinating at the same time. Like, because it's so exciting. And so... It's just exciting. Yeah. That's the... Uh, Maybe that's the will to power. Maybe we found it. <laughs> and it's it it's funny because they're two like very old, very instinctual like emotions, right? You have like the conquest excitement and then like the fear. <laughs> the two things that have kept us alive. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so, don't go over that mountain because he went over there five days ago and hasn't come back yet. <laughs> right. Yeah, and maybe that's, like, the fear regulates it, right? Because there's... Because I feel like if we were just conquest, like... Be like, yeah, just swim under the ocean and check out what's down there. You don't need air. 
I mean, I know that's a stupid example, but like, you know, I get you. But, but it is. I mean, yeah. I mean, just like we were saying, Neil Armstrong. I mean, there was. I mean, I know you know this, but there was a speech prepared for the president to give if they couldn't get off the moon. Yeah, well, wasn't it like, like we had? We're gonna try, but like. Didn't they tell them, like, you should be prepared, this is a one-way ticket type deal? Well, yeah, it was, it was, um, I mean, obviously, the plan was for them to come back, but we didn't know what was going, like, nobody had ever been anywhere else, right? Yeah. Like, it was not assumed, it was a sure thing that they could come back, and there actually was, like, a, I think you can read it, like, online, like, yeah, a speech, it. and it is eerie, like, but there's also, like, this, I know, he like, the, in the speech, talk about just, like, Almost like, you know, like just making them out to be heroes because they were exploring, like, you know, um, for the cause. Yeah, I think he talks about like in the speech. It talks about at one point like the makes a thing about like there is actually a man on the moon waving back to us now or something. And it was like, <laughs> it it was just like, <laughs> it's I don't know if that's it's just it's a very that's... eerie speech. But in this in the end, it's like, but it's like they're hailed almost as heroes in the speech. It's like bittersweet. It's like they knew the risks. Yeah, they still decided to go, and <sighs> they decided that the sake of just exploring for the sake of it was was worth the risk so key takeaways that's what i was about to say watch the europa report uh that's step one go find an anteater and find yourself in him or her find yourself in an anteater that's my recommendation i think my key takeaway is being aware of like that urge and like yes use your like use our higher intellect that we have now that like maybe you know we didn't like way back way back use that um don't do what alexander the great did yeah like don't do what alexander the great did but also but do like what neil armstrong did do yeah do like <laughs> like let that let it drive you. Let it Morals drive. Morals are real. Ethics are real. <laughs> you can do wrong things. We do not recommend you just live out. Just the law is real for a reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're um, not responsible for what you choose to do. Uh, you do not ex- exist outside of ethics. Uh, if we've somehow convinced that you might, you do not. <laughs> we do not. No, yeah, and it's like. Um, yeah, in a just society. let it motivate you. It's like one of the reasons I follow like the rock on Instagram is because you get up on there and he's like on a Monday morning, he's like, let's take this week by the balls and like conquer it. And it's like, yes, let me do it. And I go to work like, you know, it's like, I'm going to go fucking go to the gym tonight. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's like, let that it's good shit, let that part of it, like, let it motivate you to get that promotion or you know start that resolution or make self-improvements like let the yeah that would be my key takeaway can you own an anteater in america i don't know you can own a lot of exotic things i'll find out and i'll let you i'll let you know next podcast there's a lot of exotic pets that we're just gonna start recording with an anteater (laughs) we're gonna like feed him ants (laughs) that'll be our mascot Get rid of the cat. <laughs> I wonder if they actually eat ants or if they're just called anteaters. Yes, I'm pretty sure they do. I bet they don't. Although, in hindsight, anteater is literally the laziest <laughs> name I've ever heard of. Like a dog, you're like, okay. I dog. bet he just is a vegetarian and he gets a bad name. <laughs> but, like, because 200 years ago or whenever the English language came around, they thought he was eating ants. That would be like literally if like they were like they were like looked at a fish they're like mm, that's a swimmer and then they saw a shark they're like that's a swimmer eater. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. <laughs> okay, well, um, we invite you to, as always, join the discussion. Let us know what you think about uh, 
about this and you know we're, we're doing this just to like get our voices out there have fun discussing things and we encourage you to like have these conversations with your friends have these conversations with us get on the thing you know like the podcast um it's a that's i mean it's help a, us conquer clout yeah and like i mean i think liking the podcast is probably like like that's gonna just help you conquer so many things yeah that'll Rumor has it that if you like the podcast, uh, that's one step towards us getting a person on Mars. Yeah. Side effects may include success. <laughs> Side effects may include wealth, success. Yeah. It may. Bountiful relationships. <laughs> it may. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> may. <laughs> that's a gamble. Um, yeah. Um, I don't have anything else to add. Do you? Uh, no. Okay, well, um, you know, g- get immortal at do- <laughs> Dota 2. Conquer um, Dota 2. And, uh, I guess, uh, this is Tucker. This is Jiggles. And this is us signing off. <laughs>